0: Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling Truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise.
1: God used a star to bring some people to Jesus. What is he using in your life? You say what what do you mean by that? What I mean is. God still loves to bring people to Jesus and God will use a variety of methods and means and circumstances and people like he used a star for wise men to shine your way to Jesus. God will do that.
0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Matthew. All throughout the Bible, we read several bizarre and miraculous ways in which God reaches out to get the attention of individuals. Dreams, visions, and burning bushes, God's desire for us is such that He'll do whatever it takes to get our attention. In today's message, Pastor Gary uses the Star of Bethlehem as an illustration to help us understand the lengths that God goes through to call us. In our study, we learn how God uses limitless methods to reach out to us and to expose us to His one and only Son, Jesus our Lord. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for today's message, Shining the Light to Jesus.
1: I'm going to share tonight a few excerpts from the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 1 and 2. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin shall be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, And then they quote, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Not true, but that's what he said. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. Well, the whole Christmas story is unlike any other story. Uh, And it has all the elements that are intriguing. I mean, it has an element of intrigue and suspense. You have a a, a young woman who is pregnant, uh, but not by a man, and no man takes responsibility. And so Joseph thinks that Mary has cheated on him, and he wonders who this guy might be at first until an angel of the Lord shows him otherwise. You have the element of the supernatural, of course, in this story, because you have a a miraculous conception. You have a shining star. You have singing angels in this story. So there's the element of the supernatural. You have a villain in this story, King Herod the Great, who had one of his wives murdered and a few of his sons murdered because he was very insecure as a king and thought that anybody was trying to usurp his authority, he would have them killed. And So therefore, also the Bible tells us he had all the baby boys in the vicinity of Bethlehem murdered in an attempt to kill the baby Jesus, because he felt threatened by this baby king as well. So he's a villain. And then you have, of course, the hero of this story, which is Jesus himself, this beautiful baby that is born. God comes into the world, and distant worshipers come and present him gifts. So you have intrigue, suspense, the supernatural, you have a villain, you have a hero, These are the things that movies are made of, and there have been plenty of movies made about the birth of Jesus, but this is no cinematic event. This is an historic event that happened 2,000 years ago, and everything surrounding the birth of Jesus is unlike anything else, from his conception to his birth to even where and when he was born. This is no ordinary story. In fact, the Bible tells us that hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophets of old, the Jewish prophets of old, predicted 500, 600, 700 years before Christ, more than 400 prophecies about the Messiah, all of which were fulfilled in Christ. For example, the prophet Micah would write in Micah 5.2 that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Isaiah, the prophet, would write in chapter 7, verse 14, that Messiah would be born of a virgin. Jesus was born of a virgin. Then Isaiah would write in Isaiah 9, verse 7, that Messiah would be a descendant of David. Jesus is a descendant of David. Jeremiah would say in Jeremiah 31, 15, that there would be great weeping also at the time of the birth of Messiah, which Matthew tells us in his gospel was fulfilled when all the moms and dads were weeping over the death of their babies because Herod had them killed around the time of the birth of Jesus. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. But God in his providential time arranged it such that he would enter the world and God would choose a young virgin Jewish woman, probably no more than 15 years of age. Her name in Hebrew is Miriam. We know it better as Mary. As the vessel through whom God would make his grand entrance into this world. It's an incredible story. God took on flesh and dwelt among us. This is why in the opening text I read a moment ago, Matthew says that the angel said about Jesus, one of his names shall be Emmanuel, which translates God with us, because Jesus is God. And God comes to the earth in the form of a baby, wraps himself in humanity experiences our life, takes on our sin, dies on a cross. This is the story about Christmas. This is when light pierced the darkness. This is about when divinity merged with humanity. This is when love burst onto the world scene. This is the Christmas story. But unfortunately, today we've kind of reduced the Christmas story to a lot of other things. I mean, now it is the number one commercial retail season of the year in the United States. It is estimated that retailers will rake in $3.19 trillion this year on all the money that we spend buying Christmas gifts. And nothing wrong with buying gifts. I mean, it's all part of the celebration. But wow, to some people, it is just simply and only a commercial retail day. Then, of course, we have all this Ongoing stuff now, still with lawsuits about you know whether or not you can display nativity scenes and government property and all this other kind of nonsense and, and all this you know politically correct way that we greet each other, not us, but you know people who greet each other don't you know understand the true meaning. It's, it's always you know happy holidays, seasons greetings, festivus for the rest of us. Anyway ridiculous the way things have become now. In fact, I even heard last week that some of our classic Christmas songs are being rewritten because of their violent content. So I don't know if you heard this, but you know, now this, is, this is a Christmas carol that's traditional and it's a classic Christmas song, but it doesn't have anything to do with the birth of Christ, but it's still a fun song. It's baby, it's cold outside. You know that song? Baby, it's cold outside. Okay. And I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go away, baby, it's cold out. Michael Bublé, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. But anyway, no, no, anything else you'll have to pay. But listen to me. So some people have decided, no, this is too violent, this is, this is, this is not consensual, this relationship what and so some minneapolis songwriters josh Lemansky and lydia lisa rewrote the song it's gone viral i I don't know if you've heard it they've modernized it okay this is what 25 year old josh Lemansky says the guy said this he said i've quote i've always had a big problem with the song he said it quote it's so aggressive and inappropriate he's not respecting her wishes to leave and so Lisa, the, the, the girl, the other lady who's, who's part of the song here, she says, quote, Yeah, we started thinking of the open-ended questions that the song has. You never figure out if she gets to go home. You never figure out if there was something in her drink. It just leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth. I'll tell you what leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth is what they're doing to this song. Okay. It was written in 1944. Okay. It is, it is a playful song. It's a song about a guy who, who's pursuing a a young woman and he, and he doesn't want her to leave and go out into the storm. Stay with me just a little bit longer. Not to these people. They've rewritten the song. And at the end of the song now, where the woman says, I really can't stay, the guy chimes in and says, baby, I'm fine with that. Really? (laughs) What a mamsie. You know, I, I, I want to finish the song like, go out in the storm. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, baby. I mean, come on. <laughs> Ridiculous. So let's cut through some of this madness. And let me just share with you a, a little bit about the Christmas story. And I want to focus on one aspect of the Christmas story. I want to focus on the wise men here. And this wonderful, miraculous thing that happens with a star that guides them to find Jesus. Now, I will tell you, just to be biblically straight up with you, that um, by the time the wise men get there, as far as we can tell from Scripture, uh, he's no longer Jesus is no longer a baby uh, in a manger because it refers to the wise men going to where the child was. It's a different word than infant, and it says that they went to the house where he was. So he's no longer in some kind of a stable, if, if in fact it, it was a stable. Jesus is probably now one or two years old. That doesn't take anything away from the story. I'm just giving you the background on it. But the wise men are key to to this Christmas story. Now, I, I heard I heard a story about a family that was traveling down south around Christmas time, and they were down in Alabama, and they noticed as they're driving through Alabama that uh, everybody who had nativity scenes that the wise men were strangely wearing firemen's hats. And so the family just thought, well, maybe it's just a one-off thing, and they kept driving all, all through Alabama. Every place they went. The wise men at nativity scenes were wearing firemen's hats. And so finally the family decided, what's up with this? And so they pull off into a neighborhood. And there standing on the front of his long lawn was, was Bubba admiring his own nativity scene. They're looking at it. And so the family pulled out and they, they got out of their car and they said, Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Yeah. He said, they said, Why in the world do all the nativity scenes here in Alabama have the wise men wearing firemen's hats? And Bubba said, You all must not know your Bibles. And the family said, I, we, we think we know our Bibles, and we don't think there's any place in Scripture that talks about wise men wearing firemen's hats. Yeah, it does. If you look closely, it tells us in Matthew chapter 2 that the wise men came from afar. <laughs> Some of you from Alabama, you get that on the way home. But anyway, it's a wonderful story. I don't mean to insult you, but anyway, it's a wonderful story. But the fact is that actually there's a, there's a class, all the people from Alabama, they're up and God bless you. Have a good day. But anyway, no insult meant. It's all in fun. We love you. But anyhow, so the wise men here. Now, our, our information about the wise men is just a little. It's just a little bit. In fact, the, the classic Christmas carol, We Three Kings, have kind of corrupted the, the truth of what the Bible teaches, because uh, in 1857, Reverend John Henry Hopkins, who, who wrote We Three Kings, talks about three, and he talks about kings, but the Bible doesn't say that there were three. We get that idea because of the three gifts, and the Bible doesn't say that they were kings. So as much as we know, which is very little from Scripture and some from historical accounts, Uh, Matthew is the only gospel that records the, the Magi or the wise men, and Matthew was also the only gospel that records the star. The wise men, in some translations I was reading from tonight, they're also called Magi. Most translations call them wise men. They were called wise men because they were highly esteemed, educated men in their ancient culture who, among other things, were able to decipher dreams And they were able to interpret arrangements of the stars and the planets. They were more your proto-scientists of the day. And they had a legitimate interest in uh, the constellation, not to worship. Okay, I want to make this clear. Though some pagans during their day would certainly worship the starry host, not these guys. These wise men are God-fearing men because they come to Jerusalem seeking the one who has been born king of the Jews that we may worship him. Alright. So the Bible forbids the worship of the stars. Okay. The Bible makes that clear. Stars are never to be directors. They're never to direct us, but they can be and are in scripture sometimes indicators. For example, relative to the birth of Christ, there was a star that was used as an indicator of where and when the Christ was born. By the way, Jesus said relative to his second coming, that the stars will also be a sign unto us. In Luke twenty-one, twenty-five, Jesus said there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And so maybe this is what David meant when he wrote in Psalm nineteen, one and 2, the heavens declare the glories of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. Maybe there is something in the stars that are indicators, not directors, but indicators unto us. But yet still, the question becomes, how is it then that these wise men understood a connection between the sign of a star and the king of the Jews, the coming Messiah? The answer to that question probably lies in where these guys were from. The Bible says they were from the east, the east. And it is believed that they are from the region of ancient Babylonia and Persia. We're talking Iraq and Iran, somewhere in that region. Now, the Bible actually helps us to understand life in ancient Babylonia and Persia through the book of Daniel. In fact, what it tells us in the book of Daniel is that there was actually a class of young men who were hand-selected as advisors to the king, who showed an aptitude for learning, and who were skilled and educated in, quote from Daniel, the book of Daniel, in the language and literature of the Babylonians. And if you know anything of the history of the Babylonians, that would have no doubt included science, astronomy, and history. And 12 times in the book of Daniel, this class of men were called wise men. In fact, in Daniel chapter 2, it tells us that Daniel himself, who was a Jew transplanted from Israel to Babylonia, Daniel himself was promoted to chief of the wise men. Now, this is 500 years before Christ. But what most Bible scholars believe is that Daniel's influence and his ministry to that class of wise men helped equip them about who the one true God is and about the Jewish Scriptures, so that the wise men in the Christmas story are more likely descendants of the wise men influenced by the ministry of Daniel. Thus, they understood and they learned from the Jewish Scriptures that a star would be part of the appearance of the King of the Jews, the Messiah. The verse is Numbers 24, verse 17. This is what it says. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. 1,450 years before the birth of Christ, this prophecy from the book of Numbers tells us that there's a star and a scepter, that relative to a coming king, the Messiah, there will be a star to light the way. Now, there's been a lot of debate. Among scientists and Bible scholars, what was this star? You know, was this a natural phenomenon? Some will wonder, was it a comet? Was it a supernova? Was it some natural phenomenon? Truth is, we don't know. There are a few ideas out there. One guy in particular, Michael Molnar, who's an astronomer, a former researcher at Rutgers University. He actually wrote a book called The Star of Bethlehem, in which he concluded after his research that the star was actually a double eclipse of Jupiter roughly 2,000 years ago. Another person, Frederick Larson, who's a lawyer and a former professor at Texas A&M, he actually used computer software called Starry Night to be able to go back in time to see what the constellation was during the time of Christ. He used Johannes Kepler's math. Johannes Kepler in the 1600s discovered mathematically the the whole complexity and the movement of the solar system. In fact, NASA and ESA today still use Kepler's math. So it's been loaded into this software, Starry Night. Larson goes back and goes back to the time of Christ where he can actually see from the point of Babylonia what the stars look like around the time of Christ and what he discovered was that there was something called the conjunction of the planets Jupiter and Venus so that to the naked eye they actually merged into one object. And Jupiter and Venus are the third and fourth brightest objects in the night sky next to the sun and the moon. You have Jupiter and then Venus. So it could have been very impressive. And, and God could have used, certainly, natural phenomenon. But here's, here's where I questioned some things. If it's a double eclipse of Jupiter or this conjunction of Jupiter and Venus, how does that get anybody to somebody's house? So here's the thing. God could have used a natural phenomenon, but he also could have used a supernatural phenomenon. Maybe it wasn't a conjunction of planets at all. Maybe God just put a night light in the sky... As a star, specifically for this occasion, to light the way for some wise men to find Jesus. I don't know if it was a natural or a supernatural phenomenon. All we do know is God used a star to bring some people to Jesus. What is he using in your life? You say, what, what do you mean by that? What I mean is God still loves to bring people to Jesus. And God will use a variety of methods and means and circumstances and people like he used a star for wise men to shine your way to Jesus. God will do that. He will use a variety of methods and means and people and circumstances to bring you, to shine the way for you to find Jesus. Sometimes tragedies in our lives shine the way to Jesus. I don't mean that God causes the tragedies. What I mean is that because of a tragedy, God will use that to just kind of shine a light for us so we can find Jesus in the midst of our tragedy. Maybe it's a divorce or a death of a loved one. And God has used your brokenness and your grief to shine your way to Jesus. Maybe at a difficult childhood, your upbringing was very, very hard. And God can use that to shine your way to Jesus. Maybe it's an illness or concern for a child that God has used to shine your way to Jesus. Now, some of you might be sitting here thinking, well, is that the only way people come to Jesus? You know, and maybe some of you take issue with Christians because you think just that. Everybody's just a bunch of crippled people and you just find Jesus because he's your crutch. And you know what? Here's, here's the truth. Because you might be sitting here thinking, I, I had a wonderful childhood. I'm not divorced. I'm healthy as, as far as I know. And so, you know, what are you saying to me? Well, here's what I'm saying to you. Maybe for you, tonight's service is God's star. And he's shining his light to Jesus for you. Because... Whether you've had, relatively speaking, a hard life or a good life, we all need forgiveness. And God came to this earth in the form of a baby to die on a cross for that very reason, that we might find forgiveness.
0: From the beginning of time... God had a plan to redeem humanity, and He made sure that people knew He had a plan. We read throughout the Old Testament of God's intentions for the salvation, yet few would have ever imagined that it would come in the form of a tiny baby. God sent His only Son, Jesus, to our world to show us what love truly looks like, and that life still changes us today. If you'd like to hear more teachings by Pastor Gary, we'd like to invite you to our website. CornerstoneConnection.cc contains several teachings available to listen to online or download to absorb later on. You can also subscribe to our podcast or download our mobile app. We hope you have a church family that you are invested in. But if you don't, we'd like to invite you to come visit us at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, every Sunday at 30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. We get together to praise our Savior and learn from the Bible. We also get together on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. with the same purpose in mind, and we'd love to have you join us. Head to cornerstoneconnection.cc for directions and more information. That's all we have time for today on Cornerstone Connection. May Jesus' love invade your life today, and may you have a very merry Christmas. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know